You're listening to The Cutting Edge, presented by Hilleberg the Tentmaker. Hi, I'm Petra Hilleberg, President and CEO of Hilleberg the Tentmaker. My dad, Bo Hilleberg, a lifelong outdoorsman, founded Hilleberg 50 years ago, and we've been family-owned, family-operated, and European-made ever since. We proudly specialize in building strong, lightweight tents and in never compromising on quality of materials or construction. Our tents have been specifically chosen by polar expeditions, mountaineers, backpackers, and avid outdoor adventurers just like you all over the world. We build tents for everyone's adventure. Picture this. You've trained your heart out for six long months, maintaining a strict regime. You're more than ready with digits that are meatier than a 4th of July barbecue. But then you find yourself high up on a wall, totally transfixed on setting up your portal edge for a night under the stars, and you bonk because your fueling failed you. The solution? Gnarly Nutrition. Gnarly is the most effective, science-backed, and delicious sports nutrition. Made by mountain athletes just like you. Avoid bonking. Send with Gnarly. Additional support is provided by PolarTech. Listen to the end of this episode for an announcement about PolarTech's legendary challenge grants. And by Loa Boots, proud to support the cutting edge in the American Alpine Club. Loa Boots, crafting premium footwear for the mountains and beyond since 1923. This is Dougal McDonald, editor of the American Alpine Journal. I'm willing to bet that only a small fraction of cutting-edge listeners know the name Marina Kopteva, which is a shame because Marina is one of the world's most accomplished climbers in a certain demanding style, big wall first ascents on remote, high, and cold mountains. The Ukrainian woman has done new routes on Great Trango Tower in Pakistan, Tenkang Poche in Nepal, and the Golden Sentinel in India, among others. And what makes these climbs even more special is that they all were done with very small teams of women. That's why we interviewed Marina in our special series called, In Her Own Words, Conversations with Female Alpinists. These interviews were conducted by Canadian climber Sarah Hart, who wrote a big article in AHA 2020 about increasing coverage of high-level women's climbs. As part of this project, Sarah interviewed several women about the unique challenges they have faced as leading female climbers. If you haven't heard it, the first episode in this series was with Lynn Hill in January. Our guest for this episode, Marina Kopteva, now lives in Germany and is training to be a guide, and her English is quite good. But to ensure that she was comfortable with the interview, we arranged to do it in Russian, one of her native languages. The translator is Masha Gordon, herself a very accomplished alpinist, an extremely successful businesswoman, and the founder and sponsor of the Grit and Rock Awards, an annual grant program supporting female climbers. The resulting interview not only gives insight into Marina's career, it also gives us a view into the climbing culture of Ukraine and other former Soviet states, where team cohesiveness and working together are often valued more than individual accomplishments. As you'll hear, this approach helps explain why Marina and her small teams of Russian and Ukrainian women have had such impressive success. I hope you enjoy it. Marina, I wanted to just start with a few simple questions because in North America, I think that a lot of women climbers 
or men and women climbers don't know much about you and what you've done. And so I thought right from the start, I was going to ask you, where are you from and where do you live now? And how would you describe yourself as a climber? What kind of climber are you? Oi. <laughs> I was born in Ukraine and grew up there. And about five years ago, myself and my husband moved to Spain and afterwards Germany. So now I reside in Germany. As far as my climbing style of preference are concerned, I, I would think that majority of my experience relates to expedition style climbing. So I love altitude and before I'm well there, but, you know, frankly speaking, I love everything. I love rock. I love ice climbing. I, I can't say I have super high level in ice climbing, for example, but it's something that I have huge passion for. So I'm just passionate all-round climber. So you haven't actually been living outside of Ukraine for very long. And I'm curious, I don't know too much about climbing in, in Ukraine, but is it a respected profession to be considered a full-time climber in Ukraine or where you come from? Ну, там деле в Украине, особенно в последнее время, лазать особо Let me start maybe by giving you a little bit of a background, kind of on Ukrainian alpinism. The since the fall of the wall in Ukraine itself, we don't have many mountains, and before during the Soviet times, our athletes trained with the Soviet team and had more perhaps access to terrain. Right now, I would say that the level is not that impressive, though people do train in Crimea on the rocks there, and that's a great training ground for, for rock climbing, or equally they go to near uh, nearby Poland or Slovenia uh, or Slovakia, where you have the mountains where there may be some interesting alpine routes. However, again, uh, I would say that today we have just a couple of teams that are performing at a good standard, but not kind of a, a national sport to speak of. And that maybe is also a reflection. You asked me a question whether it's a respected profession. Well, it's not really a profession because it's not, it's not very dispersed. Now, you asked me a question how I support myself or how I supported myself as a professional athlete. Well, until recently, I didn't think of myself as a professional athlete because I was always, one could say, very lucky to be able to have a job and to work for people who either help me uh, to climb or in sometimes even advance money for, for my expeditions or my climbing. Uh, so I, I kind of never earn money through professional alp alpinism. I earn money and then spend them all on, on going and climbing around the world. Oh, great. So then actually this would translate into my next question. So At this point, Marina, are you a sponsored climber? Do you have climbing brands or companies that are helping to provide you with gear or cover some of your expenses? And if that's the case, do you see a difference, at least in the small community of climbing in Ukraine? Is it more challenging as a woman to find financial support for your climbing? Or is it seen that it's quite equal between men and women who want to pursue what you're doing? 
Ну, раньше, да, у нас был спонсорский контракт с представителями Black Diamond. Right now, I'm, my, my biggest sponsor is my husband, since I moved to Spain and Germany. He funds my friends, but before I left Ukraine, I uh, was uh, sponsored by Black Diamond and Marmot, and uh, also by the uh, Russian distributor of Saleva. They uh, were generous, uh, not necessarily with funds, but they were very forthcoming with equipment, testing equipment, etc. In terms of kind of gender equality and whether it's advantageous to be a woman or a man to get sponsored, well, actually in Ukraine, there are not that many, there are no female teams. So in kind of way, in a way, there was no competition to speak of. And because I worked on, for the outdoor brands, I knew what it takes to take on sponsorship, what it takes to promote the brands. So I was quite successful being taken on board by these companies. Okay, cool. I did a bit of research on you, Marina, before this interview. And I actually read a report that was written in Alpinist magazine, I think it was way back in 2011, when you had climbed a route on the northwest face of Great Trango. And in that report, and I'm paraphrasing here, you said that more important than the style of climbing for you is the team and the cohesiveness of the team. And it sounds like your partners, Galina and Anna, and you are all great friends. And um, you said that really the The most important part of a team is that you're willing to make sacrifices for each other. And it looks like most of your hard climbing has been with small teams of women. So I'm curious, have you, in fact, mostly climbed with women in the mountains? And if so, how come? I would attribute the high degree of success that we've had with Galina, who is my main road partner, More than anything, not not to training, though we train really hard, but to that incredible friendship and implicit trust that we share. And I would say that uh, in alpinism, that is an extraordinarily important element that ties you together and that propels you ultimately to to success, whichever way you you uh, define us. We are best friends, and in the moments when it was tough, in the moments when things were perhaps not working for one or the other, that implicit moral support, that not conflicting environment has helped us persevere and emerge unscathed or emerge the summit. So I would rank that quality extraordinarily high. I have uh, tried climbing with people I didn't know. I have also had experience climbing with partners that were outside of the circle of, of girls I've climbed with. And Somehow, in some of these instances, I just didn't have it. And part of it is this, I, I didn't have the trust. And this trust is what creates that very important environment for morale or the basis for morale that, again, gets the best out of you as a climber. Mm, cool. Yeah. I feel like what you're saying, Marina, is a theme that I've heard in some of these other interviews with women that I've done. And one thing I would be so interested to know is in Ukraine or in, in Russian climbing culture, do you feel as a team of women, so if it's you and, and Galina, do you feel like your accomplishments in the mountains receive 
the same level of recognition as maybe an equivalent team of men. No. <laughs> no, da, it's a war. No. So it's just not to maybe kind of play into gender stereotypes, but you know, everywhere in the world, it's similar situation, and I would kind of say it's a little bit fighting for your for your space, for your shelf space, and fighting for recognition. I think we have encountered on many occasions. The fact that the guys, and I'm not attacking guys, it's just, again, maybe it's stereotypes that whenever we came back with the, with the big root, there was a temptation on the other side to try to understate. In alpinism, it's maybe not that difficult to do, right? Because a lot of things are fearless, objective. No one may have been on the truth, etc. And we had to hold our ground. But again, I hope that with what we have accomplished and the publicity we got, we're helping to shift that stereotype. Yeah. I would say it's very similar in the North American culture as well that, and of course, it's sort of not trying to say negative things about male climbers overall. It, it's maybe more subtle than that. It's more of an embedded social thing. It seems that when women come back from a big accomplishment in the mountains, it gets sometimes excessively scrutinized. And it's interesting to hear that it might be a similar experience in another part of the world as well. No, da, we need to when you meet. We treated with humor, and you know, in a way, kind of, we're still living in the male-dominated world in terms of standards and opinions. But it's okay; that'll change, and you know, I don't see a huge, huge crisis here. Mm -hmm. So. I also read another interview that you did, Marina. It was, I believe the site was called Russian Climb. And again, I think it was about your climb on Great Trango with Anna and Galina. And you were asked by the interviewer, effectively, how much makeup you brought on the route. <laughs> and I had to laugh because my experience of going into the mountains with my girlfriends as well is there's a difference between when you go into the mountains with a group of your male friends versus a group of your female friends. And I'm curious to know from your perspective, what's the difference for you between climbing with male partners versus climbing with female partners? Основное отличие для меня на самом деле состоит в психологии. То есть I would describe the different psychology in a, in a very kind of, in a very strange way, when I go with, and I, when I climb with female teams, I have very high level of expectations of myself. Because when Galina and I go out, we are both leaders, we're both there. And I am very demanding of myself to perform at the highest level because the life of each other is in each other's hands. And maybe due to the psychology that has been inbred in us since our birth and the countries where we grew up or due to the times we grew up in, we and I, when I go uh, as an encordé with rope team with a man, I do have kind of in a funny way, high level of demands to myself, but also high level of expectation of their level and their strength, and that that it may not be correct, and they may that may not be kind, but take it away with this is what it is. I get kind of subconsciously very disappointed if a guy is not strong, 
And I keep telling myself, you know, he's a human, he may be tired, but I find it kind of demotivating if I am with a guy who, you know, is not up to up to that level of performance. I know that that's perhaps not right, and uh, but I don't know what to do with that. So that probably explains why I come mostly with women, because I feel we're equal. And that maybe brings to the point of equality. We're equal from the standpoint of the input we put in, but also we both would demand the best from ourselves and therefore bring the best uh, to the uh, to the team. Wow, that's very well put, I think, Marina. I notice in my own experience as well that when I climb with women, it's a far more satisfying experience because I feel like everybody comes to the table equally and everybody shares in the decision making and also in getting the rope up there. So it feels like you have to be your best self when you're climbing with your girlfriends, with teams of women. I have given consideration to whether maybe alpinism is historically considered a man's sport. And so what is it that has made you so interested in this sport as a woman? What character traits or qualities or abilities made you interested in and successful in a man's sport? На самом деле я с детства спортом занимаюсь, я занималась плаванием там довольно высоко. I have very strong background in footing in sport. I was in a sports boarding school since very early age, since third grade. I competed on the national level in swimming and also in pentathlon, which is a an interesting Olympic discipline that combines many sports, I mean, types of sports which are considered male. So I uh, had, a, in a way, a very strong set of skills and stamina and, la- and a level that has been developed since a very early age and ha- that has formed my, uh, in a way, one could say, a, a number of qualities and s- certain uh, character traits. Uh, in terms of how I got into alpinism, it was actually... Partly because of my dad, though my dad has resisted and he was an alpinist uh, and uh, has, in a way, uh, put many obstacles on my way. I view alpinism, and you may not like it, but I view it as a sport. And uh, I uh, enjoy uh, competing. And I speak here because uh, we grew up in the environment where kind of Russian post-Soviet times, we've had many uh, competitions Uh, in uh, technical categories uh, where we were the only female team. And I love that, that you would come in and they would look at you as if you are a Martian. (laughs) You are a completely different person. And then when they see you on a wall doing something very challenging technically, say doing artificial climbing or, or just high category climbing, those barriers between being a man or a woman would blend and it will disappear, and they will see you as a sportsman. So I would say that that background, that very strong foundation that I had due to uh, my uh, competitions on the national level in many sports helped me progress quickly and tapped into a set of qualities such as uh, perseverance uh, and patience uh, that I I have developed uh, over years, which are 
incredibly helpful in in this sport. So that's really cool, Marina. That's a great a great introduction to to climbing and I feel like it is often actually a female trait to apologize for wanting to be competitive and to try hard and I uh I don't think that you should apologize because I think it's a great it's very aspirational to to want to be your best and to try really hard. So then Marina, do you feel like you and Galena and your other female climbing partners are you sort of looked at as outsiders or maybe oddballs in the alpine climbing community because you're able to participate at a similar level to your your male peers? Да не, сейчас уже хорошо смотрю. Ну как бы мы друзья на самом деле. Да и честно признаться, мы тут давно не I would say that these guys are friends and maybe when I started out it was a bit of a pressure to to perform that was imposed through the gender lens. But really we are we are friends, we are alpinists, we're in the same circle. We blend in and you know, I I just choose to climb uh, with female partners. And that's the end of the story. But I think the, uh, the roots are being appreciated. And I think at this point, maybe I've changed my attitude. Maybe it's just less important for me now. And kind of the tension has disappeared. In your experience, Marina, do you think that men and women compete at the same level in the sport of alpinism? Or do you think there is a difference there or a significant difference there? I'm interested to know what you think. No, I think I wouldn't differentiate the level. And it's kind of, I would use the allegory of, of doctors. When you are doing something that has huge consequences or where the failure has huge consequences and in the mountains, clearly, the cost of a mistake is one's life. We have to talk about continuing on the same level or or performing rather using the same set of standards and rules because if you are not at that level, you will pay with, with your life. So men obviously do have some advantages, which is pure sheer strength. However, I have seen numerous examples where women have uh, compensated for their patience uh, with ability actually to make amends with each other. I, f- I found that m- uh, male teams were fighting more about maybe a choice of route or the way how to climb or the style. And I think women have shown tenacity. They have shown perseverance, ability to withstand pain uh, and again, get along. So each set of qualities, whether it's physicality or uh, certain emotional intelligence qualities that women bring, they kind of balance each other out. But again, I would underscore that we compete in the same terrain. And therefore, by doing same routes, we compete on the same level. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's I, I'm going to repeat what I think you said, Marina, because it's really interesting that ultimately when you're out there in the mountains, you're exposing yourself to the same hazards, the same danger. And it kind of evens the playing field in some ways because ultimately it's about a team's ability to successfully navigate those hazards and those dangers and come come home alive. And so that's a really cool perspective. Maybe in some ways alpinism is like the great equalizer because really getting home alive is 
is the goal. And to do that successfully is irrespective of your physical strength. So then Marina, in your, in your climbing, um, especially in, in alpinism, who inspires you? Who do you look up to either male or female? And do you feel like, uh, I guess as a secondary question, there are enough women in the history of alpinism that you have, have that inspiration? Or do you feel like the, the history of, of female alpinism is sort of absent in some way? Ну, на самом деле, вот так, чтобы э, меня прям вот кто-то вдохновлял, я сама себя вдохновляю. Меня горы вдохновляют и подвиги там всякие. Но на самом деле нет. Если... Well, it's, it's, a, it's a tough question and you kind of uh, got me by surprise. So let me think about it. To be absolutely honest, I, uh, I don't need much or someone to get inspired. I get inspired by the environment, by the elements, by the mountains. And I get ideas for the projects and, and kind of we get going uh, on that. But if you were to ask me who I deem quite holding in high regard, uh, I would say it's undeniably Wojtek Kurtaka, who uh, was uh, kind of years ahead of, of his generation in the uh, climbs that he's done in the ethos, in the roots. And I think that for me, he is kind of my, you know, someone who I hold in a very, very high regard. As far as female role models, I would maybe point to Ines Papiert, who I follow quite closely on Instagram. And again, it's not a question of being inspired by, but I, I watch what she does. She's an incredible athlete. And I watch and I think, gosh, she can do this. Well, I, I got to go and train because I can't do that. And I'd like to to advance in whether it's dry pulling or climbing or ice climbing. And and she's kind of cool, so I I like her very much. Yeah, and that that's an interesting point, Marina, and one that I feel the same about is I don't necessarily need to have a hero, but it's really cool to see that other ladies are doing things, and and then it kind of gives you an inspiration, and you're like, oh well. If she can do it, then I want to do it too. And and um, it gives you sort of something to work towards. And I think that's why I have felt so compelled by telling stories of women like you, Ines, um, like Catherine Destevel, because I, I hope that those stories provide the inspiration so that other women can say, well, if... If Marina does it, then I'm going to go and, and do it because I, I know that it can be done. I also, preparing for this project and these interviews, I was reading a little bit about Wanda Rutkwitz, also a Polish female alpinist. And it turns out that in the 1980s, Wanda was really vocal about women climbing with other women for many of the same reasons that you and I have talked about. And one of the things that she said that I thought was so interesting is that women should view their climbing partnerships with men as if it's an apprenticeship for their ultimate goal of mountain pursuits. And when it really matters, 
they go and and climb with their female friends, their female partners. So it's sort of like the the male partnerships are really where you learn, and the female partnerships are where you go out and you actually do it. На самом деле, в общем-то, благодаря моим друзьям, мужчинам, ребятам. I side with Rhonda. I, in fact, I'm extraordinarily grateful for the opportunity that I had very early in my career to learn from the best. There, at that time, there was a team of uh, alpinists from Odessa that was very strong. And I would say that 90% of things that I have learned and needed for ascent, so they are in a sense like Trango Tower, when we were in the wall for God knows how many days and have uh, been able to climb difficult route, I learned from them. And in general, I exercise a very humble approach to learning. I think that um, any partner could teach you things that you don't know. Even if you are uh, with someone who is not as strong as you, they may be doing something better, uh, more efficient than than you do. And therefore, by learning that, taking that on board, you become better. Mm -hmm. Marina, what do you feel most inspired by or driven by when it comes to climbing in the mountains? Are you more inspired by climbing first ascents or do you prefer to repeat difficult routes? What's your preference and and why? And also a secondary question is, do you think for female alpinism overall, are first ascents less important for women than for men. Меня это точно привлекают больше первопроходы или первые. Well, I'm drawn in um, very much so by the first ascents. I get drawn by the unknown, by creativity, by being in an environment that is uh, not necessarily that may be hostile, but where you are solving puzzles and you are putting your line or your mark uh, on the landscape. Perhaps this is because I don't free climb at a very high level, say at uh, eight or uh, whatever the number might be, uh, which could have allowed me to repeat very technical uh, routes at a very short period of time, right? A very short time. So the speed ascents, free speed ascents of uh, already uh, completed routes. Though I'm training and I would aspire, I would like to New speed ascents. Today, it's just not my game, my sport. So I'm very much in the camp of uh, first ascents. And uh, though I, I respect uh, the others who climb at a very, very high level or rock climb, free climb at a high level, who choose to uh, do repeat ascents of the routes, but do it fast and fast and free. Mm -hmm. I have been finishing these interviews with one question. So maybe I'll ask you the last question, Marina, and then let you ladies get on with your day. If you could give any advice to the next generation of women coming from Ukraine or, I mean, Germany is part of your community now too. If you could give any advice to the next generation of female alpinists, what would it be? И много тренироваться, потому что современный альпинизм на очень высоком уровне сейчас, и если ты хочешь делать интересно. Don't listen to anyone and try, try, try. Don't be worried about not being good enough for a trial or something unknown, whether it's a different level or mixed discipline or a different environment. Because without trial and error, without failure, you're not going to succeed. 
But all that said, you have to train, 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 because the level of modern alpinism or today's alpinism is extraordinarily high. People train, they're very devoted to that, they attain high level of performance in, say, rock climbing, and therefore uh, they are capable of doing extraordinary things up on altitude or up in the mountains. So again, my piece of advice, train, but never be dissuaded by naysayers from trying. Try, 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 and at some point, you will succeed. Well, that's about all of the questions that I had. And I just want to say thank you so much for making the time. And Masha, thank you so much for making the time. It's so appreciated. I think it's really cool to hear your perspectives, Marina, because you represent a different community of albinists that in North America we're not exposed to as much. And it's really cool to hear your story. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks to Sarah Hart, Marina Kopteva, and Masha Gordon for this chat. We'll put links to a few of the AHA reports about Marina's very impressive climbs at the Cutting Edge website. The latest Grit and Rock Awards supporting female alpinists from four different countries were announced in February. We'll link to that announcement as well. Thanks also to Lauren Miller for helping with the editing of this episode. The Cutting Edge is sponsored by Loa. Loa began as a village cobbler in Bavaria in 1923. Almost 100 years later, Loa is still based in that village and still building boots and shoes in Europe under the world's most stringent environmental and labor standards. From mountaineering and ice climbing boots to rock climbing shoes, hiking boots, and now lightweight trail shoes, Loa is recognized worldwide for the uncompromising quality, fit, and comfort that make Loa boots simply more. All this year, I've been telling you about PolarTech's commitment to the climbing community, and now I'm excited to share that they're planning to kick off a new era in their support of our sport. If you're like me and you've been around for a while, you'll remember the PolarTech Challenge Grants, which sent legendary climbers like Alex Huber and Mike Lebecki on expeditions around the world. Well, in celebration of their 30-year anniversary, they're bringing back the Polar Tech Challenge grants to fund an entirely new generation of adventurers. We expect we'll be interviewing future grant winners for this show. Maybe you'll be one of them. More information will be coming soon. Follow them at Polar Tech Fabric on Instagram and Facebook. The Cutting Edge podcast is presented by Hilleberg the Tentmaker, whose bomb-proof tents stand up to hostile climates all over the world. Find out more at hilleberg.com. Until next time, this is Dougal McDonald wishing you happy climbs.